Well, hello and welcome to this week's special photographic life. I first met Mary V. Swanson and Darius Himes when making the Bill J. documentary Do Not Bend, the photographic life of Bill J. And I recently saw that they have revised and updated their essential book, Publish Your Photography Book. And therefore, I thought it was a good time to catch up with them both to discuss the photo book environment and how they see its development and future. Well, I was in the UK, Darius was in New York, and Mary V. Swanson was in Tucson, Arizona. So here is some information on both of the people you're going to hear from today. Mary V. Swanson is an educator, author, entrepreneur, and a respected advisor to artists and arts organizations. She received her MFA in photography from Arizona State University in 1979, and throughout graduate school, she served as a research assistant for the curator of photography at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. She began her career at the Friends of Photography in Carmel, California, managing the education offerings, including the Ansel Adams Workshop. Before moving on to New York to head special projects at Magnum Photos, before then relocating to Tucson, Arizona in 1990 to launch Swanstock, an agency managing licensing rights for fine art photographers. She currently works independently, offering consulting services to artists and to arts organisations, offering her own classes and educational seminars, serving as an advisor for multiple not-for-profit industry organisations and other community-minded activities. Swanson co-authored with Darius Himes, Publish Your Photography Book, revised and updated in 2014, due to be republished soon. Among the recent awards she has received are the 2015 Honoured Educator from the Society for Photographic Education, the 2014 Susan Carr Award for Education from the American Society for Media Photographers and the Focus Award for Lifetime Achievement in Photography from the Griffin Museum. She frequently serves as a judge on contemporary photography and photo book competitions, as a portfolio reviewer for industry events, and she presents group learning through interactive lectures, workshops and masterclass retreats. Uh, she's currently based, as I said, in Tucson, Arizona. Darius Himes completed his Master's of Arts in Liberal Arts at St. John's College in 2000 and received a BFA in Photography from Arizona State University, having studied, studied I should say, under William Jenkins and Bill Jay. Based in New York City, Himes has overseen a global team producing auctions and exhibitions as the international head of photographs for the auction house Christie's since 2014. Prior to joining Christie's, Himes was the director of the Frankel Gallery San Francisco from 2011 to 2014. In 2007, he co-founded Radius Books, a non-profit publisher of books on photography and the visual arts, where he continued to serve on the board. While working with artists such as John McCracken and Lee Friedlander, he has published first monographs for over a dozen emergent artists, including Renata Aller, Colleen Plum, Aaron Huey, Janelle Lynch, Michael Lundgren, Alison Rossiter and Megan Reipenhoff. 
Holmes was also the founding editor of the Photo Eye Booklist, a quarterly journal devoted to photography books, which was published from 2002 to 2007. A lecturer and writer, he has contributed to Aperture, The Photo Book Review, Blind Spot, Book Forum, Foam and Bomb. I think after all of that information, it's time to hear the conversation. We're going to talk about photo books, which is something that we have kind of dipped our toes into quite a bit on the podcast over the years that we've been going. Um, But I'm really interested in your perspective, not only as to where we were, where we are, but I think probably most importantly, where we're going. I know you bought out a book, published your photography book, um, 2011, and then it was revised and updated in 2014. So where are we now, do we think? Um, Maybe Darius, where are we now with the photo book? Where are we now? Great question. I think we're we're um, we're in a bit of a, a global renaissance around it. The the last 20, 25 years have seen such a, a sort of efflorescence of all of the component parts. You have kind of the culmination of of decades worth of establishing MFA photography programs around the world. And now those programs are churning out really fantastic photographers you know back in 1999 we saw the 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 birth of books dedicated to studying the history of photography books so photographia publica followed by uh, andrew roth's book of 101 books martin parr and jerry badger's retort to that very american centric volume as uh, both bill j and and others said so eloquently and that turned into you know martin and jerry started off thinking it was just a book about the whole history and it turned into three volumes and and really spurned a whole kind of industry and academic field and the birth of fairs and so there's really this global community that is very excited by and focused on the book as both a conveyor of ideas and images, but also as a final object in and of itself. You're feeling positive about it. Mary, what's your feeling about it at the minute? I couldn't agree more. I think that self-publishing is on the rise in the periods of time that Darius just referenced. We also had the the coming of print on demand and companies like Blurb and then they acquired MagCloud, and then there's many, many choices. There's now complete houses who are just there to help produce the book. Places like Conveyor in America that own everything from their own HP Indigo all the way through Resograph to Letterpress and foil stamping and die cut and all of that. So the the capabilities to make exactly what you want in the press run that you want to be released at the time you want on the budget that you have is extraordinary. So for for me, that's something that is truly exciting. And in our book, it's its own section now, whereas in our second edition, at that time, Grant, publishing was the rule and self-publishing was something that you did if you perhaps didn't get the contract that you wanted or it wasn't going to be the object that you envisioned. Now, self-publishing for many people is the first choice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've often spoken about the fact of vanity publishing, as it used to be called, being kind of uh, the worst thing you could possibly do. And of course, now self-publishing, as you quite rightly say, is the first step for more for most photographers. But I'm going to bring a little bit of cynicism to your American positivity here, with being English. Um, 
I, I, I hear all that you're saying, but what concerns me is, um, well, two things. One is the amount of photo books that are coming out that don't consider the idea of audience. And the second one is uh, unrealistic expectations of photographers surrounding sales. So they're both kind of connected. But how, how do you feel? Is my cynicism well-based, Darius? Yes. I mean, this is actually something that we address very, uh, very much in the book and also in, in the workshops that we've uh, started giving, which is being realistic about understanding where you are within your own career and within the publishing milieu and thinking about an audience and defining, you know, there are multiple ways to define success in terms of putting a book out. If you publish a book that's literally 500 copies and you sell them out, that's a success. If you, if you print 5,000 copies and you end up only selling the 500, then you're a total failure, right? So it's all about being, being, being realistic. And there, there is of course, you know, this is not just limited to, to photo books. I mean that you could think about that in relation to lots of aspects of manufacturing and and various things, but, but being realistic, finding a way to navigate this global community and um, build a network is, is definitely something that, that all artists, including photographers need to consider. But it's also something that they're not often very good at. Yes, that, that's exactly what I was going to raise in tandem with those issues is the fact that or a fact from our standpoint is that there are so many average books coming out that really don't. Perhaps it was the, the project wasn't really ready or they didn't really consider what the structure and the form should be and even the choices of papers and printing and binding that would echo and engage us with the concept, the core concept that they've been addressing in their project. We really hope that what we raise in the book will help people make better books and certainly better decisions, but better books. But do you think, also, oh, sorry, Darius, you were going just, just to Just to add that, you know, the genesis of of the book that we've just issued now in the third edition is really about is really that we were as as authors of a of a quarterly column that was about cracking open the door to how publishing works. We really wrote the book with photographers in mind precisely because we under we realized that if you're a photo, if you're a if you're a photographer and you went to art school how in the world would you know how a publishing company works what is the role of an editor how do designers work if that's not your field you you are not expected to know so in that sense our sort of positive enthusiasm is really because we see ourselves in the role of educators about how in the world does publishing work both seeking out traditional publishing, but also self-publishing so that you're then armed and equipped with knowledge to make decisions so that you, you hopefully produce a book that is more successful and reaches the right audience. But it's interesting, isn't it? I am, I am a child of punk. Um, and therefore I was art school in the, in the early 1980s. Uh, we had this idea we could do anything, but we didn't have the tools. Now uh, you, everyone has the tools um, the good thing about the old days was that we recognized the importance of having key key skills 
outside of the thing that we actually did. The photo book now is a dangerous mistress because it can kind of seduce you in without actually realizing that publishing is an art form and it's quite complicated. Typography is something you really need to study. How to use images and build paginations and narratives is difficult. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of photographers, I think, kind of dive headfirst in. And maybe that's what's kind of creating the the amount of photo books you're talking about, um, which are very. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the you know, again, we we brought we brought in quite a few case studies into the book simply to illustrate exactly those points and also spe- spoke spoke with several you know, editors and designers, because as you said, it is a very complex process. There are, there are multiple roles, um, that, that need to be played by someone. And that sometimes that's the same person. I mean, there's a lot, you know, the, the sort of blurry line between self-publishing on the one hand, all the way, you know, then all the way up to the complexity of working, like for instance, with a Thames and Hudson back at the self-publishing side of that spectrum, you may find yourself working with a publisher that's just one person. And that person has made editorial decisions about which books to include on their list and is the designer and is the production person and is your editor and also is your marketing person. Like, so that's in a way that's one shade removed from self-publishing, but it's not nearly the same as a Thames and Hudson kind of massive global machine. And yet there are still some of the same principles involved. What does happen in editing a body of work? How do you lay out images on page spreads and think about sequencing? And so that um, that aspect of the principles behind putting a book together and who might be involved and what roles they might play is something that we really try to uncover uh, and bring to the surface as much as possible. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things you mentioned, Thames and Hudson, that I mean, they published my first book of photography back in 2006. And I was experienced in publishing. um, But I think one of the key things today in, and why publishers in the UK, such as Cafe Royal Books uh, and Another Place Press, uh, why they are so successful is because they are one-man bands and yeah, those yeah. big publishers require 25,000, 30,000 sales minimum to even recoup basic investment. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, and to be honest, you know what, one of the things that I think has trying to think of what's a visual that people might have to think about the way illustrated book publishing happens. What, what we've seen, especially in the last, you know, um, all nine, eight, nine, 10 years now, since we published the second edition is just this whole ballooning. And I mean that neither positive nor negatively, but there's a ballooning of one man bands, one woman bands. And that's both, there, there are great examples Um, And there are mediocre examples, but there's not been, if anything, there's been a shrinking at the very top end of large public, like Chronicle Books is no longer really doing fine art photo books. You have Thames and Hudson, you have, you know, Fiden, you have Tashin, sort of. It's not like an aspiring photographer can really get a book at Tashin, you know, and so the top end in the photo world really taps out at places like Aperture or, um, or Mac books, or even a radius books that's doing 20 to 30 books a year, but they are not selling 25 to 30,000 copies of anything. 
that may actually still reflect what happened 40 years ago where there was the occasional book. I mean, Bill Jay talked about this quite a bit, you know, that sense that I could, you know, he's famously, he said, I could, I could collect every important book that came out um, during my career because they came out at the rate of one every six months. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas well, now, it's, you know, a thousand every six months. Yeah. Or, or, or Cafe Royal Books, they bring out one a week. One of the things I am interested in, is I see a very big difference between the American photo book market and the European, and particularly the UK photo book market. Is that something you're aware of, Mary? Yes. I think that one of the benefits for the UK and the, and the European, Scandinavian stretching south to Spain and Italy, of course, there's so many festivals and there's so many book fairs. There's also the root of so many of the dummy competitions, first book competitions. There's been a stronger dialogue around the photo, the contemporary photo book than we've ever had in the U.S. We have the wonderful fairs that Printed Matter produces in New York and, and in L.A. We have some, in fact, this last weekend was the first photo book festival in Seattle. There was a new one in Providence. There's about six years, one in San Francisco, but nothing that can compare to the attention that's happened in Europe from the photo book week up at Aarhus on down. I'm just amazing gatherings around the photo books that our community here in the U.S. hasn't really experienced. And I, I think that there's so many more opportunities to to touch and feel the the books that are coming out, they're learning more about great editing and materiality than people are here, unless they can get to go to those big ones in New York and L.A. Do you think that, um, and I suppose I'm slightly leading the witness here, I feel like a terrible barrister, but do you think that um, the American photo books have become not just uh, kind of in distribution, but in their content, that there is an idea of what constitutes a photo book in America with an American photographer, which is different to how the Europeans see it. Because I get the feeling that there's a more of a feeling that you've, it's a long-term project makes a photo book in the States, whereas here, people are putting out photo books on the pictures they did in an afternoon or in a weekend. It's a much more kind of an immediate thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's obviously there's de- there's different um, sort of region specific cultural milieus and histories that get reinforced in, I think, in some of the university programs and and in the um, perhaps in the gallery system and the sort of the myth making that comes about. Like, for instance, Alex Soth is a is one of, you know, is is an, an amazing American photographer um, who is that the younger gen, you know, Gen Z, the younger generation really looks up to. He's now, you know, in his early 50s. And the legend around him is that it was a long term photographic project of traveling, you know, along the Mississippi from Minneapolis down to New Orleans. And and he worked and he took his eight by 10. And that fell in the tradition of other long term projects like Robert Frank driving across the country. You know, all of that sort of builds in its own kind of myth making way. And that was his first book after blood, sweat and tears and shopping it around and going to festivals. And even though as as uh Mary Virginia pointed out there's so much there are so many tools available to make you could make a book based on photographs from an afternoon and actually one of our good friends Dan Milner is a fantastic photographer who kind of flies under the radar and he does exactly that he's totally played with the whole print on demand sort of platform and you know and really messed with what 
you know, taken a product that's, you know, just off the shelf and really sort of messed with it. But he's one of the few Americans that I can think of who does who does that. I think you're right to point that out. I think it's also interesting that you that's a couple of times now you you've both spoken about the idea of MFAs and kind of the academic world as being a breeding ground for these photo books because in the UK we don't have that history um of MFAs we have MAs and so forth and there are some photographic uh, MAs in the UK I'm just writing one myself that launches next year but we don't have that tradition in the same way that you have. And I want, you know, we have an art school tradition, which is very different to an MFA kind of university tradition. And I wonder if that informs the kinds of work that's being created and the kind of books that are being created as well. What do you think, Mary? I think there's no question that it does. It also is probably quite influenced by the library that that institution has on hand, what they're actually seeing and being able to hold and and examine carefully. So one of the challenges to me in that is that it's so limiting and I don't see a lot of those programs going outside of the classics, as it were, and and maybe heading over from their photo history studies straight into the book study, rather than thinking about deconstructing print-on-demand books or working with newsprint and just really breaking that mold apart. I wish for more adventurous projects to come out of those programs. That's really interesting you say that because I've been noticing this over the last couple of years, and I love American photography. However, I'm noticing more American photography that's kind of turning in on itself and very much kind of returning to almost a romantic um, tradition in American photography, whereas in the UK and in Europe, it's getting more and more kind of disruptive and, and I suppose, um, anarchic, really, a kind of eclectic in nature. You know, an- another interesting I'm going to bring this in because I'm not sure where it fits, but I do think it's part of the sort of like cultural landscape, which is, you know, we we talk about American versus other countries of Europe. And and the reality is America is obviously so big and so many of the member states, you know, and individual countries in Europe all have art like government um, grants, government sponsored festivals. There's an ability to apply for for government funding to support the arts. And there's virtually none of that in America, which is very has always been very strange and kind of painful when you visit Europe as an American to realize like, oh, my gosh, people come to all of these festivals and half of it is government sponsored funding. And and so there's I think that plays into Somehow that plays into the landscape. I'm not sure exactly how, but I do like the fact I like hearing you point out this this aspect of there is there. It is more eclectic in Europe and there's a willingness to kind of to to experiment. And and in America, it feels much more um, structured and wor- and and worried there's more of a worry around, you know, there's there, another element to, to talk about here would be kind of the collapse in a way of the photography gallery scene in America, which is I see mostly generational, but also tied to 
this kind of transition where photography has been accepted and recognized as an art form, aspiring young photographers need to make it in the in the regular art world there. You know, the photo market is smaller and smaller only because it's bleeding into the bigger art market. And there are far more competitive forces there. Now, Mary, I could see you nodding your head. It really, it really makes me want to say something, but I want to hear what you've got to say as well, Mary. Well, I think that it's it's kind of caused a lot of the photographers to expand into doing limited editions or unique one of a kind books that are being acquired through collections, whether it's special collections at public music, public libraries, um, academic libraries attached to universities, which, of course, have broader subject concerns, um, amazing curatorial library collections that are like the Museum of Fine Arts Houston that has the maquette from the Americans straight through uh, recently acquiring the full maquette history of the Mexican photographer Alejandro Cartagena. And so there's there's this other market that I think the photographers are more hopeful than for their work than the gallery system. Um, it's very hard in America to, for a contemporary photographer, contemporary maker to find a place in a gallery today. We're in this gap in a way. I think Darius would agree that photography is gradually finding its place into the contemporary art gallery market and as Darius is at the seat of into the um, auction market at that level. And I think when, when this transition kind of shakes itself out in, I don't know what you think Darius, maybe by 10 years, looking back, it'll be a much different landscape. I think photographers will feel much more confident in the book being a critical part of their practice that can actually have a home and make a difference in their career. But I, I think this is why I was so excited by what Darius was just saying is that it fits so much into the conversations that Bill Shapiro and I have, which is that so often I hear American photographers talking about the need to see curators and get into the gallery system. We've never had a gallery system. We don't have a gallery system. <laughs> um, and therefore, um, it's not something I think we really pay a lot of attention to in the UK and all kind of across Europe as well. I mean, there is there are certain areas, obviously in Germany, there's more of a, a gallery system and there's a little bit more so in France. I wonder if this ties into this concern of the American photographer that you're not serious unless you're represented by a gallery or you're part of that world. What do you think? I think absolutely there's a generation that grew up feeling that if they were in school in the 70s and the 80s when, you know, APAD was formed, I think, in 1979. That's when there were enough mass or enough galleries to happen and, and exist and continue. And I think today's photographer is more mindful of their project being kept intact, the, the full story being told, if you will, rather than spending so much time and energy to get one print sold and leave the nest and go off to this place. I think more and more the book is satisfying for them because the story stays together. Your complete project, your entire voice on that topic can be heard. What do you think, Darius? Well, I've been I've been thinking as a after I said that I was I was running through this question in my mind. How do photographers today make any money? And that and that's that's broadly like so many things have changed since the 90s and early 2000s. We've all seen the fact that magazines are, you know, barely hiring. Um, you know, it's like it's harder, I think, to get your work in print. It's harder. The, the gallery world ha is is going through major shifts. 
um, gener- I think generationally, both in America and abroad, you know, and so this idea of like, how do you sustain yourself as a, as a photographer? And, and especially if you're in the, in uh, the art world um, side of it, you're not necessarily a commercial photographer, I think participating in festivals and, but, but also producing a book is a way to still have currency within a, within a, a global community where like you, like you said, Grant, there's, there's not a big gallery system within Europe. So how, how are you going to expose yourself? How are you going to get sort of known and recognized? And, um, and I think that's partly, that partly ties into this blossoming or, uh, you know, explosion of book publishing. Well, I think, you know, that idea of photo book as artifact is interesting because I think also in a digital world, we all want to have something physical. I mean, you were just, both of you were just saying, we've seen the physical version of the book. You know, you can look at it. I've just written an article for a magazine, um, the Burlington, and I've seen it as a PDF, but wow, now I can actually see it as a physical thing. And it feels a little bit nicer and we put it on our bookcase and it makes us feel as if we actually exist. I can understand that. And obviously also, the, if you're not getting published by magazines, then the photo book is a way of, of getting that picture off of your screen, really. I think that the the issue with, with uh, photo festivals and all of that kind of world is the amount of investment it, it requires to even play the game. Yeah, I always feel like there's you get you get out of something what you put into it and being, you know, having a career in whatever field requires that kind of investment. If you if you want to participate, you've got to find ways to do that. Um, but there's also lots of kind of DIY um there's there are, you know, back to your punk rock roots. There's definitely there's definitely uh, scrappier ways and uh, that you can stay involved. And I that's one of the things that I really love. You know, like when I was in school, I was I was in school just a little bit behind you, Grant. You know, everything was DIY. It's like if you wanted to do anything in art school, you had to freaking figure out how to build it, make it, hustle it. You know, I, I remember my first exhibition of my own photographs was literally in the living room of my house that I was sharing with four other people on Mill Avenue, you know, and Bill J was my professor and he came by, you know what I mean? It was just like, that was, I wanted to have a show. And so I made it up and I did it. And I, but, and I remember I could print a, you know, I had like a thousand postcards print. This was like when you could get postcards printed for like a hundred dollars and, you know, and, and just set them out around, but that, that, that sort of like hustler, mentality. I think the art world rewards that. And that's what I love about, you know, you don't, don't worry about trying to get a Thames and Hudson contract, like forget that, just make it yourself, do it, work with one of your friends who's a designer. You know, it's like, it's all possible. That's what I like. I like that sort of like wide open landscape where everything is possible. Does this make it too easy now? I think that one of the elements of the book that we feel so strongly about is helping people to better understand all of the collaborators that are involved in a in a thorough self-published project, all the understanding of the materiality, that if you're going to be that sort of rogue about it, that you just know your options and you use every part of the system to your advantage. So we really stress that. And, um, you know, there's so many people that for them, a self-published book was simply a print-on-demand book. 
they hadn't been exposed to making or even taking a workshop on hand binding. Whatever gets your your hands on the material is great. So we spend a lot of time both in the book and in our class helping people understand even the the difference between coded and uncoded paper and what happens to your color and all, what all of those things that seem second nature to one that has been working in in uh, ink on paper for a long time. Just, you're just raising so many really good points. I'm like, you know, we now live in a world of the backlit image where, you know, photographs are only perceived with this light behind. And then the moment they're on a photo book, the light is suddenly in front and everyone's disappointed that it doesn't look like it does on the screen. And of course, it would never look like it would on the screen. So, you know, even old school printing knowledge, don't pump up the reds, don't use yellow or flatten things out. You know, all of these old school things are really relevant to the modern day photographer. And you're you're right about having, look, just because you've got so many tools in your pocket doesn't mean you know how to use them, right? So, you know, 50 years ago, people were not writing notes to each other on their phones like telegraphs, right? The way we do now. It doesn't mean that now that just because everybody can text everybody means that we now have a generation of wonderful writers simply because they're writing. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean that at all. And likewise, just because every phone on the planet has a camera built in does not mean we have sophisticated photographers, you know, by the billions. It just means that we have shitty photographs everywhere now. But, you know, that I mean, photography ha- is now a visual language of communication. Um, and it's it's always, you know, how good are you with the language? And I think the photo book requires the same kind of skill set. Do you think so, Mary? Absolutely. I mean, we see people moving forward with their projects without that knowledge. And it's not to say that we don't see kind of it really interesting, very naive projects. That's exciting as well. But. I want people to realize that if you can if you can set your budget of what you're willing not just to make money from but what if it fails what are you willing to invest in that object and looking at all the possibilities of how to spend that money you know whether you include a designer in the process or not or you invest in a photo editor at the front end or you go with Resograph because you can learn to do it and and find a, a book arts place in town that you can print your own um it's I just want people to start with great work and a project that's fully realized and then step into this explosion of ideas of how to bring it to the book form. That's the really exciting point. So now I'm going to raise a really contentious issue. Um, I was having a conversation on the Christmas episode with Jonas Bendixson about his book of veils, and we were talking about AI. And I know, Darius, you, you, you were strong on the NFT uh, a while ago. So where does the photo book sit? Where, you know, where photography going forwards is going to have some interesting challenges, maybe. I don't think AI is as big a problem as a lot of people think, but there you go. Um, but where does it where does it take the photo book? I'm going to come to you first, Darius. Mm. I think of all of these are tools and, and NFTs are still, are still an option as far as like, 
a collectible digital artifact. I, I don't think that's in a way going to go away. It'll it'll have its ups and downs in terms of maybe market relevance or something like that. AI is uh, an amazing tool. I'm curious to see how creative human individuals use it um, as uh, to produce interesting, interesting work. And, you know, where where it goes with with the book form, I, I don't know yet. I'm not quite I'll have to think about that. But um, yeah, I mean, like right now I see AI as it's an extremely fast amalgamator of in a, in a research in a in a global research library it can scan it you know it knows every language it can search every image database and come back to you with things with amalgamations of things that already exist in a way um, or styles or but if you were to ask ai to say invent a new style of photography with a type of you know visual language that we've never seen before it it it, it i think would draw a blank so it's really just how do we use it to to make something that's moving and interesting and relevant and speaks to us. For me, I think of the the challenge to the veracity of photography that we had when Photoshop first came in and the magazine editors of the day saying you can't move that moon or you can't make it a full moon or you can't this or that. And even um, I mean, many of the most respected magazines still and, and World Press and all that, it's like. It has to be real. We're going through that again now, just tipping our toes into AI. For me, one of the challenges is for the photographers just entering the field today, it's got to be in their toolkit. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it impacts revenues for working photographers. And uh, you may be seeing that challenge in your in your um, education programs, Grant, how to how to add or not that tool. Yeah, I mean, it is something I'm very interested in the conversation. I'm not as I suppose I'm too long in the tooth now and have seen too many changes over the years that have that are supposed to be the big threat kind of disappear um, and dissipate and evolve into something else. But I, I take um, both of your opinions on that. Actually, I agree completely that it is like with Photoshop. I think what it raises as an interesting um, discussion point, perhaps with the photo book. Um, and uh, again, I was with Bill Shapiro, and I've done a few episodes about this. I think we're quite we disagree, which is always good in a conversation. I feel that a photo book needs narrative. And I think that raises interesting issues around AI. But what do you think? Does does a photo book need need a narrative, Darius? What do you mean by narrative? Okay, Mary. Many stories are best told with the addition of text, whether it's their own or it's something that exists in the world that they get approvals and license. But I think one of the problems is it comes back to design. Most photographers haven't studied design and don't really have a strong sense of how to combine the image and text. So there's there's a piece of that that may be missing for a, a very successfully executed um, combination of image and text in a book. OK, Darius, I was very unfair on you there. Um, <laughs> let me try and answer your question. I think what I'm saying is really a message. I remember the 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 singer uh, Bob Dylan's friend Bob Newhouse always saying that in the sixties, when you went to see something or when you read something or you went to see a jazz performance, 
the question wouldn't be what were they wearing or what did they play? It would be what did they have to say? And I think to me, if you're going to put that artifact out, you kind of should have something to say. And invariably, there will be an element of storytelling or narrative to that. Does that help in any way? Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer that the the greatest art is driven by wanting to say something and not just navel gazing. And so in the in the form of a book of photographs, now that can take there's so many different types of stories to tell. And even in writing, there's there are haikus and there are epic poems and there are documentary stories and there are short fictional essay, you know, like the whole range. And that can be also that's reflected in the photography community. And I, I, I really wish more photographers thought like that when they were putting a book together, like what, what really am I wanting to get across? Not just, is this a nifty design to house my 30 most interesting photos from this project kind of a thing. So, um, I fully agree with you on that. And that's where, again, so many great tools, but I mean, just to come back to what we talk about in the book so much is that it really, this, the person who can do all of that by themselves is one in a, in a trillion. It really take like collaborate, 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 you know, like you don't, most people can't build a house by themselves, <laughs> you know, so find the, you know, real, you, you need an electrician and you need a plumber, even if you're hiring them and they are simply consulting for you to get the house you want. And you're not just buying, you know, a, a developer's house out of a prepackaged plan neighborhood. That's fine. But that think of your building your book the same way, like talk to an editor, talk to a designer, go visit a printing press. Like you do yourself a disservice by not in enriching your own understanding of how the hell a book is made and put together. And so, so that's, yeah, that's a big part of it. I think. Wow. What a, what a great way to end a conversation about photo books. Um, you know, you nailed it there. I think, um, first of all, conversations quite a, quite a good idea and, um, go and visit a printers, which, which, well, you got anything to add to that, Mary? Yes. I would say go and visit a special collections library and look at the individual book as an artifact in and of itself. The VNA, for example, has an extraordinary artist book collection at many collections throughout England. They've, they've had a real strong community and um, artist books. And for me, it's been an exciting evolution for photographers or, or for artist book makers who are utilizing photography as a primary medium in their book project. I think for myself, I, I feel like when we began to be able to print different papers and, and such through our home printer, that bookmaking and for that group of people really changed. We're seeing a real blending here of the artist bookmaker and the photographic artist bookmaker that will, will, for me, for, broaden the awareness of what you can do with the physical book. 
Well, that, that, I think we sound rather like Bill J, slightly evangelical in our in our enthusiasm and our passion, which I, it makes complete sense for you to, because you were obviously imbued with this. And uh, with me, I've kind of had it through some kind of osmosis. So listen, guys, um, thank you so much. First time we've ever had more than one guest on the podcast. Um, and it seems like it's worked. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I wish you um, great luck with the um, book. And maybe you can come back and talk to us again when it's uh, revised in another five years time or something. Thank you so much, Grant. Great Take to see you, Grant. Thanks. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you to Mary. Thank you to Darius. And thank you for listening. Take care.